Hi, this is Chris Harris, and you're listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Series 5 of Cherry Jam. Nearly the full quota this week. I've got myself, Ed Price, Russ Brooks, Lawrence Landry, and Jim Harley. Snowy's flying back from Majulwa. Um, it's a fun-packed fun and, uh, and filled pod this week. I was expecting that it would be fairly brief, fairly low-key, bit of chat about the Six Nations... That'd be about it, really. Um, but rugby and Gloucester are never boring. We will start this week with, however, a just a brief little note um, and comment along um, around Barry John, um, who has sadly passed away as we speak today on the 4th of February. It was announced earlier this afternoon that he he passed away. Um, a legend of Welsh rugby, one of the sort of greatest tens of all time, um, none of us, I have to say, are old enough to have seen him play. I mean, he did retire at the age of 27. Barry John sits alongside players like JPR Williams, Gareth Edwards, Gerald Davis, and and many of the others of that ilk and that um, that time in Welsh rugby as absolute legends, not only of Welsh rugby, I should say, but also the Lions. And obviously, Barry John um, it will be sadly missed, a, a superb player. And I would recommend, I did a little bit earlier, if you get a chance, go on YouTube and just just look at the, some of the tries and some of the bits of play that he he, he put together uh, in that Welsh team. Absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, I would even say for now, you know, rugby of, of, of the sort of stuff we're used to seeing, he would fit it in easily um, with the style of rugby and the way we play rugby these days. Um, so yeah, rest in peace, Barry John. Uh, the rest of the pod, let's start off with the sort of Gloucester focus bit. Um, in the week, it turned out that there's apparently a bit of interest in investing in Gloucester rugby. Yippee, we all thought. However, it sounds like, or the rumour is, that it's uh, linked to the Saudi Arabian uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund, PIF, which uh, many of you may you know invested around 300 million into Newcastle United about uh, uh, just over a year ago. Um, that's not just Gloucester, it's also three other teams, Newcastle Falcons, Leicester Tigers and Northampton Saints. But Gloucester apparently were their primary club that they were speaking to um, and um, they, they were the sort of the main focus, according to the Telegraph reports. That set off an unbelievable chain of comments on Shedweb, on Facebook, on other social media sites and... I thought it would be a good place to start where we kind of just without interrupting any of each each other for the, just for the meantime, put your thoughts out about it. I am really happy to get your general thoughts around it. And then we leave it until we know a bit more um, and what the next stages are. But I think it's quite a useful thing because there's a lot of debate in the fan base uh, around whether this would be a good thing, bad thing, indifferent. I'm going to start with Lars because he hasn't been on for a few weeks. Um, Lars, I'd love to get your thoughts on whether you think this is a good thing, bad thing, a different thing, whatever. I find it difficult to believe this could ever happen, to be honest with you. <laughs> Everyone was very quick to block any potential deal with Altrad. Moving aside from the ethics of it, of it all for a moment, mm-hmm. just looking at the likelihood of it happening, to me, I just don't think it would. Um, if they were interested in buying Gloucester outright and being involved that way, I think it, there's a possibility we could be having a slightly different conversation because I, I think there would have been probably a chance of that coming through. But given the way the uh, investment from Altrad was blocked by um, 
PRL. Uh, I cannot see how uh, the PIF can be involved with three other different rug- rugby teams in Premier Rugby as, uh, as us, as well as us, sorry. Um, especially when you look at, as I said, you know, a guy who owns a club in a different country wants to buy us, but there could be a conflict of interest at European level, and all of a sudden, uh, that can't ha- uh, it can't happen. Um, my thoughts on it, so just assuming it would to go ahead. I, I, again, I haven't I've given it too much thought because just I just can't see it happening. I've obviously got reservations, as I think any decent human being would have over it. Um, but then as Russ mentioned, I think it was in our WhatsApp group, the chance to be able to lord it over Bath and Bristol as having more money than them was obviously would, uh, <laughs> would mitigate some of that um, upset. Sorry to steal some of your lines there, Russ. But I okay, just... I'm not sure that one was me, actually. Wasn't it? I can't take credit for that. Well, no, I know who it was. He's <laughs> agreeing at that moment, Mr. Price. That was yeah. you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, He's funny but... occasionally. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's got a funny look about him, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> No, uh, I. It's the whole. What always concerns me is with anything when I read or hear of a potential takeover, is how are they going to look to run the club? Um, rugby's got no money in it. I can't see why they'd have an interest other than the unethical sports washing side of it, which is what where I have a the um, issue behind it. Um, my concern is the rules being broken because they don't seem to give a damn about it in football from the Middle East that when they're involved in it. Um, they don't worry about the uh, financial fair play. They take the, the, the monetary penalty, pay it off and with, with a bit of pocket change and away they go again. Um, but the, 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 the biggest issue for me is if it doesn't work out for them, I know there's not going to be a massive amount of money they will have sunk into the rugby. Given it will be, like for you and I, or our current owner, it's a massive amount of money probably. But given to what to what it would be for them, given that their their wealth, it's something or nothing. But my fear is the club ending up being in a financial position if all of a sudden they pull out. That we could end up being the next London Irish, the next Wasps, the next Worcester, and going back to London Scottish, or a classic one would be the next Richmond, because they had a rich owner come in, he got bored, pulled out, and away it went. And that was no business model like Wasps had. That was just a case of they were entirely reliant on their owner, and um, when he got bored, they went. And that's always going to be my fear of. It's a double-edged sword almost. You want it to be a fan because you know that they're not going to walk out and leave us in the lurch, but you don't want it to be a fan because you worry about what some of our fans might, how they might run it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's it. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to put it out as though it's being, I know the main issue there here with Saudi Arabia and all that, and we can talk that to death. I think we, it's up to you guys if you want to talk about it. I'm not for one moment saying that I'm happy with it but it, it's the elephant in the room isn't it mm-hmm. no no and I, I, I think it's a really good way to move on to the to the other guys in the group but I think it's 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 you're putting some thoughts that I probably wouldn't have put in because I think I'm going to probably focus a bit more on on those maybe those moral issues that, we're, that are being d- discussed um 
I'll, I'll pass it across to uh, Russ first and then Jim and then myself at the end. Snowy, just so I should say to everybody, um, Snowy will have his thoughts to, on this. He didn't want to send a message or do a voice note. He wanted to just mention it at the next time he has a, a we, we, next time we get on, get him on the pod. Russ, um, your um, thoughts. So I'll ease in on the human rights stuff because I think it's obviously an area of controversy and I, I currently feel like my human rights have been violated by our game plan for a long, long time, <laughs> if I'm honest. That was my one. That was my first initial joke um, in the WhatsApp, um, which just died on its ass. So obviously it wasn't as funny as I thought it was, uh, looking at lots of space. <laughs> um, on a serious note, um, I think Loz has articulated a lot of my thoughts um, quite well. Um, it's really difficult to 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 kind of there's it's on the one hand on the other. I don't want to be someone who gets all caught up and hip, hypocritical or gets on a soapbox. Um, about the human rights stuff, because I mean, ev- there's so it, it's like a lot of people who've got on their high horse about it. Look, quite a lot of our controversies or don't understand the history of it. There's there's a lot to unravel there, and it doesn't sit well with me in a number of ways. But equally, I quite like the club to survive, um, so I can totally see why some people. Um, to steal another joke from the WhatsApp would um, quite happily welcome our new human rights for violating overlords. I can see why people would um and ah either way. I'm, I'm really torn on it. However, I think like Loz said, I just, I struggle to see how this is going to happen. I can't see under the current regulations. I can't see anyone letting it through. Um, I could see it be blocked. I have concerns around the fact that it would be three or four clubs they're interested in. How does that work? Um, how do you, you know, you're, you're diluting the base. So you'll make four clubs really rich and have loads of development. But on the other hand, no one else is looking to buy us. So of course the club are going to be interested. I'd rather it be like Loz said, someone who's got the best interest of the club at heart. We all look at things like how Wrexham are run in football as a good example of it. Um, and I'd love stuff like that. I think where the most annoying thing about the hypocrisy was seeing people under the sports wash and going, we're not kickball. A team like Newcastle would have survived with or without that money. Rugby, and this is the bigger problem, we've talked about this before, rugby needs serious investment and a look at itself, how it runs financially and, and stable and, and, and so on going forward. Gloucester are on a, on a knife edge. You know, we hear rumours like half of it is they couldn't change anything if they wanted to because they can't afford to pay off contracts. So you couldn't get rid of anyone. That's not a healthy place to be. So I can totally see why that investment is 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 viable and appealing in a lot of ways um and like all the human rights stuff and so on doesn't sit well but then Altrad, who we were all quite happy to um to get on board with recently got a suspended prison sentence for rugby bribery and so on so it's not like anyone with money is whiter than white is it there's a lot to unpick here but like Loz said, I think at the moment we're pontificating on something that just doesn't feel likely to happen. Can I just add something from what Russ has just said, please? Because he turns around and yeah, said yeah. about the uh, going off on a slight tangent. Um, 
he said about the rugby desperately needs the investment. The last thing rugby needs is a shitload of money to come and be spunked again. What they need is to get their heads round out, run a bit this league and rugby the game in such a way that it can live within its means. Yeah. It, 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 where's the CIF money gone? For, gone? It, no, no, none of the clubs have got any money. I know it had to help them get through COVID to an extent, but they also had loans from the government. They could, the, the Rugby cannot live within its means at the moment. Until it work, works out how to do that, the last thing it needs is another shed load of money coming into it personally. Yeah, can I can I, I clarify, Loz? That's yeah. what I meant. I, that's okay. what I want to articulate. Yeah. I would rather, I don't want, I think, that that's a good point and it's made me realize I, I probably didn't articulate that in the way I meant I don't want rugby just to have a load of money in it from people who don't understand the game and won't. It, rugby like you said from the very top down needs to look at itself and how it runs viably we've had so many clubs go bust um, you only have to look across the border at the state Welsh rugby's in to see that it's very easy to um to to go wrong and none of us want that. And so that, that's the point I was making. I'd rather than have no, someone who's completely clueless just go and just chuck money at it because it doesn't fix the problem, does it? It needs looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, someone somewhere high up needs to get it together and really think this through. Yeah, agreed. Um, Jim, I'm going to come to you now, mate, and your thoughts on this, uh, on this whole Saudi, potential Saudi investment stroke takeover. Um, well, I just think money... It's, it's been talked about a lot and do, do we really need more money or do we just need more fans watching the game? Do we need more people coming into King's Home and other grounds around the country? Do we need more people watching on TV? Do we need to create more wealth for clubs that is sustainable? And like Lawrence, you know, alluded to all those clubs that have gone bust, not just recently, but, you know, many years past when the owner that bankrolls it has decided not to anymore. We need these clubs to be financially viable and having someone with a load of money that, that you know, short term investment and you get out of the top players, that isn't going to make it a viable business. Um, it might make it a more comfortable, more attractive business for for some players because you've got some, you know, better um, better coaching and training facilities. It m- might encourage some of the top players to come in because they're being given some huge salaries. But actually, long term, what we want to see is we want to see, um, you know, decent price tickets. We want to see good crowds. We want to see a good quality of rugby. And we want to see it on, you know, on on TV with decent TV deals because there's big TV audiences. And I think that's what we're we're probably looking down the wrong avenue, to be honest. And the fact that it's coming from Saudi rather than from America or France or wherever um, is just another issue that um, hopefully, as Lawrence suggested, I don't think we're ever going to have to worry about anyway, because I think it's a bit of a pipe dream. There's a couple of things we need to tidy up on, on the logistics and, and how this actually would work. The point around more than one team being invested in, provided the investment was less than 10%, or sorry, less than 11%, if it's 10%, um, I know we're lots of sort of looking at me baffled, but I agree. No, if, what, Loss is looking at you saying, what's the bloody point? No, Honestly, but, they're going to invest less than 10%. So, no, what, what it is, if you invest, if you invest in, uh, in the, the, the total um, value of the club of less than of 10% or less, it doesn't need to have a, approval from the league or from other clubs. 
Now, what the um, the description of what was being sort of touted was that there was a uh, an original conversation with Gloucester. Gloucester were the were the sort of primary uh, team to be to, to looking for investment or looking for possibly a takeover. Um, and the quite funnily, the, the PIF turned around and said, yeah, there's probably not enough value in that. So maybe we bring in some other clubs as well, um, of which then Newcastle, Northampton and Leicester were included. The reading between the lines, it does sound like Gloucester is still the main focus, as I said, and that basically the investment would be for things like uh, naming rights of stadia, um, some infrastructure projects and things like that. That's kind of what they've talked about now i'm going to just put my two pence on this i agree really on, on all your points around we don't need additional money straight away going to, for player uh player wages because that's what happened with cbc money as Lost said the cbc money basically helped to drive up continues to drive up player wages a lot of it ended up going into um the owner's pockets um to cover off covid loans and and the additional expenditure that we had through covid where they couldn't get any income through uh, the door uh, but no fans uh and that cbc money's gone fundamentally it's gone that's it it's gone we are now in a position where uh as russ mentioned about that there aren't there any other teams out there and lost said no, there aren't any other people out there looking to buy the club okay that's the, that's the that's kind of the expectation there are people out there who are looking to buy this club We've got an interest from a, a group who, and I'm going to echo Lars, Jim, Russ. We've talked about this on, on our WhatsApp group. None of us like what the Saudi regime represents. It, it, fun, you know, let's, let's, let's be really brutal about this. They are an abhorrent regime perpetrating uh, human rights abuses every single day against women, against people who are homosexual, against people who uh, are non-Muslims, people who um, don't particularly adhere to their, their brutal and oppressive form of Islam. And it's really important to say this is not Islam. It is a form of Islam. It's, it's a horrible regime and they murder people extraditionally. I mean, Jamal Khashoggi, um, many of you may know or have heard of, uh, who is the, um, uh, the journalist who was brutally murdered in Istanbul. You could list, and and it would be a pretty endless list, all of the human rights abuses the Saudi government and the Saudi regime have committed since their independence. Um, and, and I'm not going to in any way, shape or form defend them. But, and this is the hypocrisy and the hypocritical side of me and many, many other um, sports fans around the world we all live for our clubs you know there's four of us here five of us in total do this podcast and we adore Gloucester Rugby and we want to see Gloucester Rugby be successful you could ask thousands of Geordies and thousands of Manchester City fans and thousands of um, you know supporters from all around the world who would be exactly the same position is it hypocritical that we want to win and it, and by having this money that that might happen yeah is it going to change what the saudis do no if the saudis invest this and invest into gloucester or rugby generally it's sports washing plain and simple but if it if it secures the future of english rugby in the short to medium term 
And I totally agree with laws around the sustainability. Regardless of what money we get in, we need to have a sustainable way of running the game. Um, and, I, you know, we don't know the details and this will follow on as and when we know any more details. We may not know ever know the details because, as, as you've also quite rightly point, pointed out, this may not happen. It's probably more likely it won't happen because of the complexities involved in a number of clubs being involved and things like that. But if it does happen, my, my absolute hope is that the money is put aside only for infrastructure. So that is for things like clearing or, or basically clearing off debts. So clearing off the COVID loans, clearly clearing off liabilities, making Gloucester, Northampton, Leicester, Newcastle, as many clubs as possible, really, able to wash their face, get rid of debt, then anything else is then put into investment within the rugby club, which allows for additional revenue streams. Things like, for example, at Gloucester, fixing the, getting the, the, the training centre across the road from King's Home, absolutely dead on, 100% sorted. You can have hospitality, you can have all these community things and activities where you can generate revenue. Again, that means you're less likely to need those sugar daddies and all the rest of it going forward. But no, I final bit really to say is, I appreciate that, guys. I think that was really important. We just kind of get our thoughts across because we don't know the, the the next stage. But look, we all are in thinking the same position. If we could pick a billionaire who was just a lovely bloke, had never done anything slightly dodgy or immoral. No such thing in this world. Yeah, exactly. Good yeah. That's why they've got billions of money or billions of money. Can I just add, sorry to interrupt mm. on this, but just one thing I would say, if they were to, if we move from morals and the, if we move from the bad and just look, look at the focus on the money for a moment, mm. if they were to buy outright us and invest in other clubs, normally you'd have an, uh, that, that minority, that 10% minority, you'd have an issue, wouldn't you, normally? The thing is, their wealth is so great, is so huge, that actually you wouldn't be going, oh, why aren't they putting their fund? Well, there would be some bell ending on Shedweb or something like that. I'd tell you what, King's Home is my home on Facebook or whatever it's called. Um, we'll be going, well, they're putting money into that club and not us. They've got 300 billion in the bank. <laughs> not a million, 300 billion in the mm. bank. If they want to put... Two and a half million into Northampton, two and a half million into Leicester, two and a half million into Newcastle. They got three, still got 300 billion because that's just the interest they earned that day on that 300 billion to put into Gloucester. Yeah. You know, the, the final point for me, do you know, a bit I find funny is if, if allegedly Gloucester was the main interest and they're like, actually, that's not appealing enough. Quick, look around what clubs. Leicester, Northampton, two other clubs with big fan bases who probably would be sustainable along us. And then they're like, let's just chuck Newcastle in at the bottom because we fucking need to prop them up. We really need to prop them up. Diversity again within England. Yeah. Could you just imagine? I just imagine in the contracts running, oh, Gloucester reasonable attendance let's look at you no 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 don't worry about newcastle you've got everything you need just sign the contract guys just don't worry about newcastle just sign it i think i think the reason they're talking about newcastle might be something to do with the other thing they own in newcastle i I think it's i think it's just seen as a community project i know Ed. i'm just being a bit glib (laughs) for the the amount of money they put into newcastle united uh two and a half million or three million quid into Newcastle Falcons is literally a community project. Oh, they no, can stick I know. that on, they could just say, We've been invested into community projects in Newcastle. 
Um, <laughs> and that's literally it. Anyway, given them ideas on this sports watching, though, oh, right, yeah, they they, yeah. If they want, if they want a podcast, um, no. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, it's look. We, as I said, we all would love to have someone who was a little bit more, say, shall we say, uh, ethically and morally less tr- uh, problematic, but. At the moment, this is where the money is. So Jordan we'll... Anderson's come into a bit of money recently. What's he doing? Has <laughs> <laughs> he been paid yet? I don't know. No anyway, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So anyway, we'll, 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 what we will do is obviously we'll keep across this as the story develops. At the point when we get more information, we will come back and talk about it in a bit more detail. For the meantime, though, thank you very much, guys. We're now going to have to move on after the break and talk about uh, the Six Nations. And we'll start with a remarkable comeback. But I've lost a heartbreak. Hi, I'm Lewis Ludlow, and you're listening to Cherry Jam. Right, um, Gloucester Hartbury uh, sent their, I would say, fairly reserved team down to Leicester uh, at the weekend. And Jim and I watched the um, the uh, opening game of the season, uh, and Gloucester had a you know, a pretty strong side out and were dominant, massively dominant against Leicester at the time. And there was no inkling of what potentially could happen. Um, and I messaged Jim on, on Saturday and said, um, the girls are having a bit of a shitter uh, because at the time, I think they were losing 26-7, um, which was absolutely... Yeah, they, was they not went a result quite, quite on, a long way down. It did. And Jim, what fair play to him, and this is both stuff, stuff of champions and uh, and and how you can kind of see that this side have got a lot of a lot left in them um, to come back from twenty six seven and win thirty three twenty six, and also ha- hold up Leicester on the line. I think with the last player of the game, a really really superb win, um, and again I think probably underlines that they are going to be there or thereabouts again at the end of the season. Oh oh absolutely, um, and I think it's. It's really weird. It is really, really weird because you look at the points difference um, that Gloucester have got compared to the points difference that Saracens have got. And Saracens are like four times or something ridiculous um, better off in that regard. Um, but clearly when Gloucester played them, they they won and they won relatively convincingly even after a red card. So we are without doubt one of the top two sides along with Saracens and we have rotated our squad I would suggest a damn sight more than Saracens have and I think you know we had um, Gwen Crabb coming back uh, uh, and and playing after a year or so um, being out injured we you know we had players that you know aren't aren't quite so international standard i mean we've got we've got enough internationals to play 1 to 15 plus the bench yeah. as all as, as as all internationals um and and clearly we had a lot of the sort of development um, the development girls playing um it was a real shame cuz you know like you and i we were both following it on twitter which is not the best way to follow no. a rugby <laughs> um, um but you know, just just from the, the the sway of the sway of points, you can kind of go way. I think 
that they've definitely just got this belief at the moment that you know much like much like Wales almost have um <laughs> that they they which, which we'll talk about later um it's yeah don't worry about that that's fine um they you know any with, without knowing too much about it it's like if you if, if a team gets the bounce of the ball they get a lucky decision um potentially you could be you know you could be 21 nil down couldn't you after 20 minutes um without really doing anything wrong um and i think gloucester Harbury are definitely in that situation now whereby if and when that does happen they go don't worry about it it'll be fine we'll just stick to the process do what we do um we've obviously got the ability to bring quality you know international players off the bench to to, to bolster uh, bolster things especially into a tiring opposition and i think that was probably what happened with a few of the the big guns coming off the bench um and uh, and leicester just just tiring slightly but um it just proves the the standard of of women's rugby has has gone up massively um if you've got the you know the likes of of leicester who were, have been really struggling for the first sort of third of the season um to to push us that close um, and it bodes really, really well for the tail end of the season that hopefully it won't be um, Gloucester and Saracens just walking it and everyone else kind of battling it out for everything from seventh down to ninth place. Um, did I just say seventh to ninth? So I mean, third to ninth. Hmm. Um, um, but yeah, it, I mean, I still think that we could go the whole season unbeaten. And and that would really really worry me because then the final has got even more chance of Gloucester doing a Gloucester on it. But um, yeah, I I think it's fantastic, F- fantastic that um, you know that, that, that they managed to dig deep and, and and come through. And I'm I'm hoping that there's a little highlight show that's going to be popping up on YouTube. Um, usually this evening or maybe tomorrow they, yeah. they tend to come out. So as we're recording on the Sunday, um, yeah. So I look I look forward to uh, to seeing that. It was a shame that there. I think there was one game on today. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Um, one of the other fixtures, but yeah, it's still entertaining. And the girls are playing again um, at King's Home against Bristol. So that's going to be a step up. You've got to be, imagine Bristol are going to be, um, you know, a stronger proposition. The, the, than Leicester were so you know maybe that's Sean Lynn just thinking about his rotation yeah Bristol beat Leicester um, at the weekends 22-12 so um, you know good win for them one thing I would say actually just as we mentioned before we go on to the Six Nations um, the uh, the fact that we were watching it on Twitter um, it was weird and it's it's probably something I've never experienced as a, uh, in terms of Gloucester men's team having this feeling but as soon as we got the first try back to make it sort of 26-14, I just went, yeah, we'll probably win this. Which is a, it's a very, very weird feeling for a Gloucester fan to have. But there was... Yeah, not not used to having that level of confidence. No. Um, I, I, there was, it was literally just an expectation that we probably will be okay and we'll probably sneak it pretty late on and then win. So that's that's just very it's just a very novel and new feeling. I don't have that very often. Um so it was nice. I liked it. Um more of that. Or maybe not more of that, more of putting fifty points on teams, that'd be better. But anyway. Yeah, um, I mean we only we, we only went into the lead seventy second minute. Oh, of, no, seventy third minute, wasn't it? I think it was well, minute. well I think 
looking at the feed from Gloucester. Yeah, they were the on the from minutes Leicester. and Leicester was on the actual minutes. Yeah, so I'm yeah. looking at it. It's like conversion is good from Cleeky George at 79 minutes. Mm. But if I remember rightly, on the Leicester feed, it, it was, was about 73. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was confusing as mm. well. Um, as we said, not the most, not the easiest way to follow a rugby match. Please just... Yeah, I mean, Radio Gloucestershire do go to the Hartbury Stadium hmm. um, and broadcast. So, I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's the possibility of um, having a roving reporter go off hmm. and, and, and do some broadcasts. We'll do it. We'll um, do it although, although with the with the cuts to BBC Local Radio, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it might it, well it might just be Maud Muir or someone um, who I, I think she she ran on the pitch. Um, for back from injury as well, mm. um, but she's she's been great doing doing some of the tannoy stuff at at, um, at the stadium. Yeah. Um, so yes, so all good. Uh, really good win again. Gloucester second point behind Saris, but with a game in hand. Uh, right now, Six Nations. Um, first weekend of the Six Nations. It's the most exciting time of the year if you're a rugby fan. Um, we all love our club rugby, but international rugby stars its place and. It was, I don't think it disappointed. Um, we'll start off with the uh, Ireland-France game that kicked off on Friday, um, but the tournament uh, down in Marseille. Uh, I think all of the French games this year are away from the Stade de France because of the Olympics. Um, and um, I'll start with you, Russ. France-Ireland. Everyone expected it to be pretty close. France sort of, you know, coming back off, off the back of the World Cup disappointment, Ireland off the back of the World Cup disappointment, but without Johnny Sexton. And Ireland were very, very impressive. They were. They were very good. Um, all Everyone delivered, didn't they? Um, mm. Everyone played very well. <laughs> France, you could see, well, they missed need to map, but they also, I mean, it's not like they had a bad 10 in place. But they really missed Dupont, and then they weren't helped by brain farts from Williams. They were they? Like, no, but like I've I've never seen a player get two yellow cards and probably two red cards in a game because they were both both could have been reds. It was, you know, and you'd think he would have learned. Like the first one was bad enough, and then you're like, right, just get back on and slow it down. And then he's horrendous clear out, and that pretty much felt game then. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think as we were talking about before you recorded, it's it's just a shame that that's almost like the Six Nations decided off the back of that game. I know we'll talk about other games, but they're clearly by far and away the two best teams in in the competition at the moment, and it is exciting. I love the Six Nations, but like Loz sort of glibly said, that that almost feels like that's the tournament decided now, barring <laughs> a massive fuck up. I think the only way it could be decided is if someone decides to fucking ref Ireland properly and stop some cheap yeah. breakdown. Then that might work because um, I had a conversation with another friend and I haven't thought about this. He was like, if you actually ref Omani fairly at the breakdown, he becomes a very average player and he really does because he was the amount of stuff you're like, have you got away with that? have you got away with that and it what annoyed me was there was one where he was clearly off his feet nicks the ball wins the penalty and then Aldrich does exactly the same thing yeah. two minutes later and Aldrich gets pinged for being off his feet and you know I don't want to make it it's just really infuriating when you see little things like that that are think, so obvious but yeah you know fair play to Ireland 
it's just a shame they can't do that in a World Cup year, isn't it, really, for them? But, no. You know, <laughs> no. It's not, not a shame. Me. It's not a shame. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I had to get that in. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Just a note, though, on France. Just one note on France, though. I mean, I kind of glibly made a point on, on, on Twitter that France were in the first half were defending like it was 1940. I mean, Sean Edwards is going to go absolutely apeshit. They were dreadful defensively I, all game. They was holes everywhere. I don't know if he'll go apeshit because have you seen the viral message, the viral video yeah. from the Six Nations? I don't think he'll go apeshit. He'll just say a couple of words. And let's be honest, the stare he gave them when he was like, don't fuck about with the ball in our half. Kick the fucking ball. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, just kick the fucking ball. You wouldn't fuck around with him. Could you imagine, like, just a quick segue, if George Skivington came on and went to us all when we moan about box kicking, if he delivered that message and went, we are not fucking running the ball in our half we are box kicking and then gave that stare i'd be like okay george whatever you say be like russ stop eating shit food okay done whatever you say because it was genuinely terrifying um, but yeah i wouldn't want to be the french team at the end of that no he... I, you made the point about dupont missing dupont i thought that was very obvious i thought though that uh, i luca was a bit unlucky because you're always going to be measured against the bloke who's not there um the uh, i there were bits of it. I thought, yeah, he's playing quite well, but he just doesn't have that ability like Dupont has to just test. No, the he's line a great player. I think but, um, the other one thing I would make a point though on on the the Irish though, the try they scored in the second half, where um, I think it was one versus four players, so one Irish player against four French players. The confidence to not just go, oh, I'm going to go back inside and go towards my pack. I'm going to actually test the defense. And have the knowledge and confidence your players are going to come around and support you. That tells me everything as well that they 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 really are playing some superb is, rugby. It, it was Crowley at ten, wasn't it? He was yeah. very good. You yeah. you kind of like it, that's always been my suspicion that they hung their horses. They they put the house on Sexton for so long yeah. that you realise they have got good tens coming through. And then my final one is I could watch. Pano run lines all day because oh, he was super and then there, there was a step in the second half I mm. mean yeah what a player he is and he, he, you know let's be honest it wouldn't take a lot for France to get their act together and be a really really good side again but they, they don't look the same team they did this time last year do they no 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 right moving on uh, Loz I'll talk to you about the England game <laughs> lucky you Loz no but England won and I think that's a good thing uh, overall um, now, do you? Do you? Uh, I thought it'd be lovely was. if Italy would win. No, fuck them. Um, the... <laughs> no. no there, there is that element of being able to lord it over the rest of the Six Nations. With the only thing never to lose to Italy, yeah. sod off. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very much of that. Says so me sat in an all-black all shirt. Black shirt yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so Loz, on the, on the England-Italy game, um, just your thoughts generally about sort of England's performance, Italy's performance. You know, was it, was it as... Was it a, a banana skin that we avoided, or do you think we probably played a little bit less than we needed to, or should that? It's definitely a banana skin that we avoided because mm. we didn't lose. Mm. Um, they, it's difficult to tell. I think without someone else having played Italy, they, they were certainly looked a lot better, but they mm. still got a few things they need to iron out. Um, so, um, which allowed England. There was a bit weak sometimes in defence, which allowed England. Um, 
the opportunity to score a couple of tries, but so certainly it, it was encouraging to uh, to see that the supposed, and I use the term supposed, weakest team in the Six Nations put up such a good fight against Italy. Um, no. I... <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was that... superbly delivered, Lars. I'm going to give you that. That was brilliant. Well uh, that's why I've been, I've been away for a few weeks practicing that. Um, no, no, it was... Um, it, look, Italy were, were were good um compared to how they were in the past against yeah. England. They've they, they matched the physicality that was required. I hate that in rugby out term for, you know, all the physicality. Mm. I'd much rather uh, that's one that one of the appealing things about uh women's rugby. If they could get that game competitive, it'd be a far greater sport because it's all about skill. Mm. Um but Italy ma- matched England for most of the game. I appreciate they scored a late try, which you you, you said when we were talking before we come on there, air online or mm. started recording. Yeah. Um, you said about how the scoreline really was a bit flattering for Italy. I, I don't think England deserved to be win by much more than that. Um, I don't think the game told us a lot of where England are. We knew they were rebuilding. Um, you know, you could see that by the selection with Dan Cole on the bench. Um, <laughs> you just got one. Just what 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 have you got to gain from having Dan Cole and Danny Kerr anywhere near that squad? I think Danny Kerr is going to be around for the next World Cup. Why haven't you got likes of Rafi Quirk or anyone else you could or or someone else that you're going to identify that has got that position or Harry Randall or something like that? Have them in there. Russ said this before the World Cup where he was moaning about and it was all right, we had the change of coach but prior to that when Eddie Jones was there mm. he didn't wouldn't play players in the past because they didn't have the experience when we come to the World Cup matches it was him who didn't give him the experience we got now Dan Cole on the bench we got Danny Kerr on the bench some you know they're not neither are going to be around potentially at the end of the past the end of this season let alone <laughs> a next come the next World Cup I just didn't get it personally and I just um, add to, to that lost, I just add to that as well lods is I, I wouldn't mind if there weren't players coming through because Elliot Daly on the wings is the same and we're not lacking players who could come in and yeah. do a job and get that experience that's all I wanted to well, add yeah 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 when, when are we going to give these 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 players an opportunity because uh, oh, what the autumn oh, the six is too important so we do it on the summer tour yeah that's not going to happen is it we we're touring because we're going to New Zealand so well, alright we're doing the, we're doing it in the, no, new, uh, the November international oh guess who we're playing again New Zealand so that you know they're not going to get oh you might get one game against is it Japan we're playing as well yeah well they're going to learn a lot in that aren't they just rebuild I never I know the Six Nations is a fantastic tournament and it, it, it turns out such great games all the time but if we end up with a wooden spoon, we end up with a wooden spoon if it benefits us in the long run when it comes to three and a half years' time when there's another World Cup. That, for me, should be all that, that should we, we should be worrying about, not leaving it till potentially only 18 months before World Cup because Dan Cole's finally decided that he's too old to play. Um, I'm, no, I'm not putting all our faults on Dan Cole. The no, faults no. are with the selection of Dan Cole. I want to yes. make that clear. Yeah, I just can't help but use him, cite him as the prime example because yeah. of well, he's 36 I mean, years old. Funny enough, when Dan Cole came on uh, on Saturday, the scrum started to creak a little bit, and and it's you know we've managed to bin off uh, Mako Vunapola, thankfully, um, and um, and a few of the other old guard. Um, I thought Marla did well. Talking about old guard, I thought he had a good game. Um, 
the, the really the really exciting bit was for me was some of the younger players coming through who are who've been doing it well for Northampton particularly. Uh, I thought Tommy Freeman was absolutely superb. Look, look for as bad as he was when he last had a chance, he was that good the other way, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And 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 this again, it goes back to the the fact that I think under under previous um, uh, regimes, under Jones, under others, that we, we've been very quick to get rid of players if they have one bad performance um, or a couple of shaky shaky performances. And you've got to remember, it is a big step up international rugby. That you know, it, it it's probably. One of the few sports where that still is the case, um, the international rugby union is a significant step up from even top flight, you know, top class European rugby. It is a, it's a, it's a real step up. The only one I can think up of more is probably cricket. Cricket is probably the other one, yeah. But then cricket, I suppose, is always it's it's again probably we see more we saw more international cricket than we do domestic cricket generally, don't we? So, but the the um, the point on on England that I thought there was some really good Ethan Roots though got player he got player of the match, man of the match, and and his his um, game line success basically gave England the foundation to come back against Italy in that first half. Um, yeah, he made a few mistakes. I think he gave a couple of penalties away, but overall, really, really, really encouraging. I just think I think you've, you're right. I think I've weighed it out, Loz, because I'm just wanted to chime in because Loz, I've always been critical of not giving players a chance at mm. the right time, and it is nice to see Freeman and like get get a chance. I think the one that frustrates me was not letting Finn Smith have a start because. Mm. I'm a big George Ford fan. I really like him. He manages the game well. He controls it well. I don't know what we learn by playing him against Italy. You, if you don't know what George Ford is bringing to a game by now, then there's something wrong with you as a coach. And Finn Smith, I really like. I was really impressed with him against Munster. Let's be honest, he's getting an opportunity because Marcus Smith is injured. Marcus Smith would be on the bench any other time. Loz chimes on about the All Blacks. I, I, the one that always sits with me is Australia when they won the World Cup in 99. And they literally turned around to all the players who won it, even the likes of John Eels, and went, you're too old for the next World Cup. You're done. We need to be building strength and depth. And I don't think it would have hurt to give Finn Smith a chance yeah. to get a cap then when he wasn't. So yeah. credit where it's due, but equally think about those positions where you need experience. 10 is a place where you talked about it. International rugby is not, is unforgiving. Give them a chance. Sorry, Jim, I, I know you wanted to come in. No, no, I'm just thinking like Six Nations is important but the world cup is important to best grammar yeah but no it's oh, it, i i 100 i know i 100 like, agree on. but for for the likes of for the likes of you know ireland and scotland and wales yes the best you're ever going to do is winning a six nations okay <laughs> But for the likes of the likes of God's England and France, today. for the likes of England and France, you know, sacrifice the Six Nations, sacrifice the Six Nations to improve your chances of a World Cup. For goodness sake, I mean France—they've taken off their nine and ten, so they can potentially get a gold medal in the Olympics. So I think just like the Six Nations after a World Cup, every single time should be a huge reshuffle for yeah. the vast majority of nations. Um, and and you, you're right, Russ. I think, um, you know, Finn Smith has clearly got an awful lot to offer. Let's not 
Let's not give him 10 minutes at the end of a game. Let's not throw him under the bus when things are going really wrong against Ireland. You know, let's yeah. give him a run. Give him a run and see what he can do. What, what uh, you, yeah, I agree. What you don't want is the next World Cup where they're like, oh, there's no one else. Oh, we can't go to Finn Smith because he's just lacking in experience. And I think we'll come on to Wales and we'll joke about them because they are in a shower of shit position, aren't they? But, you know, it will be interesting in a few years' time to see how much those young guys they've backed at this point. And I'm using the term back loosely because they've got no choice. They've got to pick the fuckers, haven't they? Uh, yeah. But- Speaking of Wales, though, Rush, just to interrupt and come back to what you're saying. My prediction about how England would tie down the winger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those obviously who are not in our WhatsApp group, I made a comment about how they bring him on with about three or four minutes left just to tie him in, mm. pa- pack him off with his uh, work on, as they like to call it, and then in two and a half years' time pick him again. I know he's in the th- he's in the thirty six that they've just announced, but you got all of two and a half or three minutes to show what he can first do. thing he did first thing he did he made a great tackle and put the whoever it was in the, in touch which I thought yeah. was like, no, oh I'm, I'm not criticising you know, the lad at looked... all but again you can tell who the cynical fuckers in this group are yeah, that's true yeah that's true what, what I just what, just finishing on England I, I will talk about Italy briefly but just finishing on England um, overall I thought there's a few people I noticed instantly it was like oh buddy you know only winning by three points I mean, Loz, you made the point, I think. No, but Loz, Loz, you kind of, what you watched it, that's my point, you watched it, and I think I totally understand that maybe, I, I felt that it was a last-minute try. I thought 10-point win probably was stretching it in terms of, you know, a, a fair result, but England controlled that second half pretty well. Team in the second half. Yeah, they, they they really controlled it. Probably the, 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 the what I would say was um, we didn't take the opportunities we probably should have done and scored, we should have scored more points. Um, taken and, and done a, maybe a been a bit more risky with our with our play. We weren't we weren't as accurate as we should have been um, with the ball in hand. And I think one of the legitimate um, concerns was although there was some decent play and there were some nice moves and stuff, we did look we did seem to lack a bit of um, uh, a, a sort of planned back moves. It, like after maybe two or three phases, we were like, oh, I don't know what we're doing now. Um, and it went back to that sort of box kicking it for the sake of box kicking it. Um, but Italy, given credit, Lodge, and you mentioned straight away that they looked a far more dangerous team um, with the ball in hand. They looked exciting. They were trying things that we don't normally see with Italy. You quite rightly as well made the point about that they've got some still ongoing work on discipline. Again, is a big issue issue for Italy. They just give too many penalties away. And I think probably a symptom of their exciting new style they're trying to adopt is they do drop the ball a lot and their scrum isn't quite strong enough and, and good enough to um, to take advantage where, you know, say, for example, an Ireland, a France or even England, if we do cock it up, we've got a scrum that can maybe win back a penalty or a free kick. So that's probably where Italy are lacking at the moment. They've got some really, really exciting young players who are coming through that, I imagine in a couple of years' time we'll, we'll probably fix that. And they were missing one of their best players. Yeah, and Capuazzo. Capuazzo unfortunately was off ill uh, for the entirety of the week. Stomach bug, so he'll be back for the next week. Um, but their 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 winnable games are going to be Scotland at home, 
uh, Wales away, which is the last. Yeah, I, I, I think them. people rag. It's, it's so easy to sneer at Italy, isn't it? People mm. keep saying they should drop down, but it's not like there's a side like Georgia are good. There are teams who could step up, but it's not like those sides are suddenly going to go up no. a gear and people well, are getting rid of Italy. You're going back to a five nations. Yeah, yeah and exactly. Also, that's the point. Like Portugal, for example, you know Portugal got a lot of love in the World Cup. Quite rightly, they lost, lost the Bel- they lost to Belgium last yesterday. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I know that was the best Portuguese side they put out, but they lost to Belgium. That's a hell of a shot. But I I think and give credit where it's due we're all going well we're not all going but me you and jim are going to the 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 england a game and i think credit where it's due that's what we were saying wasn't it i think we literally made that point in the pod where Mm. that's what the england saxons are for to give sides a chance to develop i you know people will sneer at italy but i think they have games they can win like you said ed and they've had to develop over a long period to to be, to be competitive is yeah. a big step up. Knocking them out of the Six Nations feels a real yeah. Like, well, I, I, I don't. It's, it's nonsense. It's, it's not going to happen. It's not no. going to happen. But, but moving, so, moving on to the. So, no, I'm just just looking at the uh, Germany Georgia game. Yeah. Georgia won that by eleven points, seventeen twenty eight mm. against Germany. Yeah. yeah. You know. If We're Italy, not talking of past and prima yeah. other European no. countries here. If, it, if, yeah. it, if Italy were playing Germany, what do you think the score would be? I yeah, think be that's a fair point. point. Yeah. I mean, and I think the Netherlands nearly beat Spain. I think Spain won by two points. I think. Yeah, that well. was a close one. That was another close one. What's um, Romania doing these days? Uh, I think Romania in a bye week. Yeah, but the the games are generally speaking, like really quite close and quite good, close, good yeah. quality. Um, there's not a huge amount of camera angles if you're watching it on, this, uh, on the rug- on the no. rugby Europe uh, free stream. No. But if you are a right saddo, and yes, I include myself in this, um, you can you know there's there's a lot more rugby to watch over a weekend if you want. If you want to. Um, so moving on to the teams that uh, Italy can beat, um, Wales and Scotland. Now, what a weird game of rugby that was. Like genuinely weird. Because it started off with a massive argument in the week about whether you can have the roof open or not. Just get over it, Wales. Look, just sod off with your bloody roof. Yeah, I don't get that, though. It's like, just... it's that's that's like saying, no, 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 you've got to cut the grass because it's a little bit long. We like the grass short, please. No, and you just... go, no, 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 it's our lawnmower. It's our lawn. We'll have the grass as long as we want. It's like if, if they've gone to the trouble of building a stadium with a roof, and well done, it's a really nice stadium with a roof. Like let them decide whether they want to open or not. How can yeah. how can the away team? No, no, it's Wales. Fuck them. Um, let no. anyone but them decide. <laughs> no, but to be fair though, I, I would agree that it's a really nice stadium in terms of its location. But the stadium itself is not a good stadium. I maintain this from the day when I you went watch, there. When you have to watch out if you're in the lower tier towards you have the back, to watch you have the freaking television on the television. There's still a stand behind the, where the, the Arms Park is. It's not finished. So when they finish that stadium. I will give them the due that it's a it's a nice looking stadium, but it's not because it isn't finished. I am winding people up here, by the way. Uh, but it is true that the the, the rake of the seats uh, at the top is like terrifying. And if you're in the low tier, um, if you're about eight, I think it's about 12, 13 rows back. Um, if the ball goes over your head, I mean, you, you can't uh, actually see in the ter- game. It, it, in terms of balance and. I think behind Ed, I probably love winding up the Welsh morning. Ed's, Ed's a favourite. In terms of balance, 
it might be a shit stadium in, in relatively speaking, but I take their atmosphere over Twickenham at an international game Absolutely. any day of the week. To be fucking was, fair. Do you know what it was good though? I was watching the build up and um, hearing the choir, Welsh choir, sing. Um, all the hymns before was proper spinting, uh, and then I mean, again, yeah. the anthems were going to good as well. I, I, and and yeah. yeah, just in terms of atmosphere, before we move on to game, I'd, I'd still kill that. Wasn't even in Paris, the France game, and when they could, you know, that's we go on about anthems previously. Yeah, they the did it music. right where they cut the music. Let's not have any little kiddies singing. Let's just have the <laughs> state. You know, yeah, it makes nice. you realise that's what international rugby is about and the yeah. atmosphere in that game it was a weird game but the atmosphere was great I it thought. was um so jim on the scotland wales game right let's 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 just take the first half as its own scotland looked like a really really good side they played some really nice rugby uh, they were dominant they were making wales make mistakes wales looked dreadful couldn't catch a ball couldn't tackle couldn't do anything do you, I mean, is that just, do you think that simply Scotland were just so much better that they imposed their game plan entirely on Wales and Wales just didn't have any answers or just Wales had a shotgun? Um, maybe a, maybe a bit, maybe a bit of both. Um, so Scotland were kind of delivering in every aspect that they were trying to. So uh, Finn Russell was just orchestrating things fantastically um, they were dominating collisions. Things were things were working, mm-hmm. um, and obviously Van der Merwe was just cutting them to pieces. Super strong runners. So we have him maybe... replace uh, our NFL winger, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he was he was looking like you know one of the best wings in the world, wasn't he? He was looking yeah. absolutely superb. Um, so. I would say that certainly for that first half, Scotland were just like playing 100% to their capabilities. And then I think Wales were not playing anywhere near to 100% Mm. of their capabilities. Um, They were making uncharacteristic mistakes, really. They were were poor. Um, And I would love to hear what was said in that dressing room because when they came out pretty much immediately they were looking like a, a different team and I think this is possibly because you know as much as Wales let Scotland be good in the first half I think Scotland let Wales in yeah. in that second half and and it's it's easy to say as a as a you know as a viewer but when you've got a when you've got a lead, you've got to keep your foot on the gas. You know you can't step off the throat. You've got to you've got to keep going and really forcing the um, forcing the point. And my goodness me, did Scotland you know take their foot off the throttle? Well, because the the, the, the Welsh the, the Welsh came back really really strongly, and maybe you know it was just a game of you know the, the luck when. 50-50 in the end, but it was very lucky for Scotland in the yeah. first half and very lucky for Wales in the second. Well, up to and including, or not including, the um, the penalty try that wasn't because they actually scored it and then <laughs> missed a bit of a sitter of a conversion, mm. um, which obviously ended up being the difference. <laughs> Different. um, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I, I think Scotland probably won't be as good 
or look at least look as good as that in that first 40 again this this tournament but i don't think they'll capitulate as in much the same as they way did they the did, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and much the same much the same for wales i don't think they'll be as poor as they were in the first half no, or come back as strong yeah. as they I, I, did in the second it, it, games like that are weird it's really hard to tell is is did Finn Russell go from being Lionel Messi to playing like Carlton Palmer? <laughs> is one one of my thoughts. Um, quick, quick segue. He, he, his. I know his line about being the rugby Messi was tongue in cheek, but he's not the rugby Messi from the last two weeks. Everyone knows the rugby rest Messi is Freddie Clark. Clark. Um, yeah. But yeah. On a serious note, I, I think there's a bit of both, isn't there? Because everyone's like, oh, you can only play what's in front of you. Um, Scotland let Wales come back into the game, but Wales did come back into the game. They could have, like, they, they their players started to step up. And I think what I do, you know, I rag on Wales a lot. I have a lot of Welsh friends. I love winding them up. What will be interesting about Wales is this gamble in a few years when these young lads, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of what me and Loz are saying about England. When these lads start having a few years of caps, because they had a young 10, sorry, I don't can't remember his name. He went off yeah. injured and they had another young 10 come on. They'll have learned a lot from that game and it will be interesting to see what they can do. We all know the lad who used to play at Bristol, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I was I was impressed. Um, Thomas Williams looked good when he came on. Good from a perspective. No, that, that yeah, really, please, yes, please, yeah, yeah, more yeah. of that. So he came on and pretty much changed the game. Yeah, I thought uh, Thomas Williams. He, he he was superb, and I think there's a lot of excitement you can have from Gloucester's point of view in relation yeah. to him and his performance. Did, uh, just as a, a little side though, I thought I was I was kind of so you, you quite rightly pointed out that. Uh, I've got a history with the the Cherry Jam Twitter of putting stuff on there and immediately looking like an absolute muppet. Um, I tweeted at half time if Scotland do lose this, Scotland if Scotland lose this, it would be the worst uh, capitulation stroke, greatest comeback in the history of the Six Nations. It nearly happened. One thing I would just make a point on is um, I was halfway about to re- re- write a tweet because I was sort of halfway writing a tweet, and then Scotland got away with it at the end of the first half where basically Finn Russell started going full Finn Russell and trying stupid stuff because he they were winning. And, and I've always, this is my problem with Finn. Finn Russell is an absolutely brilliant mercurial player, incredible talent, one of the most exciting tens in world rugby. But at the same time, has an uncanny ability to absolutely cock up at any moment. Um, and I thought they, they nearly, nearly, nearly conceded a try right at the end of the first half where he started faffing around with it um, in his own 22, throwing silly passes and stuff like that. And it was no surprise that he he, he did then kind of, in the second half, you could see that complacency all the way from Finn Russell, all the way through the rest of the team. And I, and I do think that's the biggest issue with Scotland. They don't have somebody who can just go, right, now we're going to play really territorially we're not going to start being stupid here we're going to play it sensibly we're going to close the game we're going to close yeah. the game out and i don't think they have that in their in, in their I mean, yeah at the moment was exactly that and i was going to say though, yeah lots, that's the point because yeah gregor towns are not known for his but they, 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 those two argue like an old married couple as well mm, don't yeah. they mm. 
thing is, well, if if you get that bigger lead in an international game, yeah, then you have to be just sensible enough to go. Let's park the bus. You know, let's not risk stuff. Don't give away I mean four hundred penalties on the bounce. Yeah, ridiculous. you just you just you know put the team under pressure. You kick it deep, and you say, right, you've got to play. You you have a good structured defence, and you force a team to throw it around because they've got no choice. And then because you're forcing them to throw it around, you end up potentially scoring more or at least I I think don't worry about having a terrible second half worry about winning the game yeah exactly it's not about it being a good spectacle unfortunately we we talk too much like that ridiculous blooming Bristol Bath game you know it's it's not about 101 points being scored and all the neutrals going my god that was the best game of rugby ever it's about winning and you don't win by potentially playing the most extravagant rugby in every situation. I've got just two points on that. The one was, I was going to go back to that Bath Bristol game because Ed, you ragged on Finn Russell and, you know, everyone knows how much I love Finn Russell. I never rag on him. And in that game, he put one of the best crossfield kicks in I've ever seen. Unfortunately, he crossfield kicked it to an opposition player and cost him the game, which well, was cost hilarious. Him, cost, him a, cost him a bonus point. Yeah, it was hilarious. But Jim is absolutely right. And I think that's the thing, because people give us stick for, you know, just a, a, a bigger point. People give us stick for ragging on the box kicking and stuff. And... I didn't talk about the game last week because I wasn't on the pod. One of the things we all want is pragmatic winning rugby. And what was refreshing about the Gloucester game, for example, was they didn't start throwing the ball around like the Harlem Globetrotters. They played rugby that played to their strengths and they could win an aggressive forward pack and then occasionally nice bits of rugby when it was on. That's that's what Scotland lack, I think. It's always high-risk High reward, yeah. High yeah. reward rugby, and they yeah, they, yeah. they 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 struggle to manage a game, and that's always been the issue. Yeah. That and that's, and that's why Chris Harris. That's why Chris Harris isn't in the team. Yeah, because he doesn't fit that. He you know he is a low risk. He's a defensive centre. He's going to stop team scoring rather than score a couple himself. It's great, isn't it? And... Why would we want the Scots to have any balance in their? Yeah, material? I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> the downside to that is. Their backup ten who plays for us is like not the same as Finn Russell. He just has it in him as well to to not always make the best decision, and that's yeah. that's that's an issue for Scotland, isn't it? It's not like so like we talked about, talking about England. Well, it's the, not the, an issue for Scotland, is it? He's never yeah, because he won't He's get in. Fit, no. But they, but they, they haven't got anyone else. The the thing with England, what I do like is whether it's whichever Smith is on the bench or the other way forwards the opposite so you can change your game up by Mm. bringing on a 10 and let's go on about the greatest result in the rugby world cup for england against argentina ed Um, i did i did i did to be fair you didn't listen to the pod obviously i did reference that last week and glenn and actually say you know what i got it wrong that's fine i i didn't listen to the pod but fair play um (laughs) but in all seriousness England have that luxury of you've got a 10 who you can change the style of play. Shit, we need to start attacking expansive, mm. get Marcus on, or actually we need to slow and control the game, get 40 on. That That's one of the things I do like about England yeah. is that balance. So moving into next week, 
it's going to be interesting from a dynamic point of view because obviously Scotland, have, despite how appalling Scotland were in that second half and how they hang on and they managed to win just, that's a win for Scotland. Um, and they're going to take that into the next game and you think that that's, that's, that's a positive, you know, they've won, but there's a lot of stuff talking about whether it felt like a loss. Wales, however, awful first 40, really good second 40 going into, an, again, the game against England, which often form and all the rest of it doesn't really take into account because it's all about beating the English and all the rest of it. Um, so let's just quickly touch on next week. What do we think results-wise for next week? England-Wales, we'll start off that one. Uh, Lars, I'll start with you. What's your expectation there? It should be England by 20, but it probably won't be because there's two average teams. Mm-hmm. So that could produce a very good game. <laughs> 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 or it could produce a very bad game. Um no one likes to see one-sided affairs unless it's against the Welsh. So um, <laughs> no, I, 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 it's one of those which is too difficult. I don't think England's going to lose. Um, yeah. I, I'll, you know, no doubt be proved wrong now. But I, I, my opinion is I don't think England are going to lose that game. Um, but I do think they might cause a few problems for themselves, England, and that will give Wales probably a bit of hope. Um, because England, uh, they, as, as we talk, I know we're going back on. I don't want to get stuck on it, mm. but they just lacked a few ideas. They, 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 they showed some good um, attacking moments, but they also were, it was lacking at times as well, which is what concerns me. Yeah. Um, Wales always seems to keep on turning out a back rower who is a turnover. Master, if England can't keep Rafael out of that game, then they're going to end up conceding penalties because yeah. unfortunately, that's that's England's way usually of dealing with that sort of player is to yeah. get penalized. They mm. deal with it by not dealing with it usually, so that, that's what my concern there could be. I, I don't want to put Wales out as a one man team because that's disrespectful, all the all jokes aside. Um, I, I'm gonna go with England by a score. Cool. Yeah, uh, Jim. Uh, there's no way Wales will give us a 40-minute head start, so I think I think we'll play better. Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, Wales won't play as well as they did second half for the whole 80. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be close, but I think um, I think we should be winning seven, hopefully ten points. Yeah. Um, I hope for an entertaining game. After all, I just said about about winning and not yeah, entertaining. Yeah, we, we want we want entertaining rugby, but we want, yeah. I know what you mean about the pragmatism here. We we when you get 20, 20 odd points up in, a, in an international, yes, you 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 keep, you just keep the tick, the the scoreboard ticking, and eventually, as you say, they'll try start throwing a ball around, and it'll look spectacular because you'll pick up pick them off, etc. And no, I take your point there, Jim. Um, Russ, England, Wales. Um... <sighs> Wales have got nothing to lose, have they? No one's going to expect them to win. So I think they'll give us a go. That's always dangerous with a Welsh team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we, I think England have enough of what their identity is at this point in the development. I think you'll see Ford start, won't you? And we'll yeah. play it pragmatically. We have to stop Wales playing and having moaned about Danny Kerr, they'll start Kerr. It's Kerr v. Gareth Davis feels the key to me because he was know, quite... I think, Mitchell, I think Mitchell's done enough. I, I would like Mitchell to start. I really why, like Mitchell. I don't see why you would drop Mitchell. No. I don't, I, I, I don't I, really I, understand that. 
I mean, they may. Well, like I, I like Mitchell. I really, I really like Mitchell. I'd, I'd love it to be Mitchell and Smith, but I think they'll play Ford because you have to stop Wales playing. I think Wales will give it a good go. Mm. I think Loz is right. I think it will be entertaining. It's just whether it's too. As, good is it, is it a good standard of rugby or is it two teams playing bang average and it makes it really close yeah. but i think england should edge it i, I think england my, my gut feeling is it's going to be probably close in the first half and then i would expect england to just take it away on the scoreboard and then you might get a a, a late flurry if, if wales push it because i think they're quite loose they look loose. one thing was really noticeable wales look really poor under the high ball like Genuinely awful as a high. So expect them to be superb now you've said that. Can I just say on behalf of everyone else, can you stop tweeting stuff that makes the rest of us look bad on the <laughs> cherry jam pod with yeah, your no, just use use your personal account so you and just you get all the abuse back, please. Yeah, because no, no. you're making us all look bad. No, never. Um anyway, um, if, um uh, the <laughs> most important thing is it's on ITV and not BBC, so we don't have to listen to Jiffy. Yeah, but although I have to say, I thought but we have to listen to. Oh no, Clive Woodward's no, not Clive doing Woodward. it. I thought I have to be honest. Of the two broadcasters this weekend, I thought BBC edged it. I thought ITV were pretty poor. Oh, um, yeah, because you had to listen to the. ITV's problem is when it's Ireland on ITV because you have to listen to Gordon Darcy. Yeah, it, it, I mean overall, it, they're both improving. I think they've got rid of a lot of the old Deadwood that was a which is a big issue. Um, but I, I, I think. I think, with the exception of Jiffy, I think they need to put him to pasture. But I think um, overall, the coverage from BBC was better. The problem with uh, Jiffy is he's too biased, like too obviously biased towards the Welsh. Yeah, there and was becomes, some yelps becomes, of excitement. Yeah, and it becomes... Proper, oh, yes! Oh, yes! <laughs> like, calm down, man. It becomes frustrating. You just want... Like, we don't. I don't mind bias in the commentary. That's fine. But you just have to make sure it's a bit more... Um, impactful the numbers every 15 freaking seconds. Uh, right, moving on to the quick yours, touch on the other games. Scotland, France, it this is the thing. So, Scotland, France, I would have said France every day of the week would win that, but I actually think Scotland have got a chance. Um, because they do have very good players, they've got a good, uh, a good structure and a good setup. The French defensive systems were absolutely all over the place. If there's one team that you could probably expect to maybe take advantage of that, that would be Scotland. I don't know. That my, that's my thought. Gonna... I can't see France being that bad defensively. I, I agree, Lars. They're going to have spent a whole week on defence because they were so bad. Mm. And and actually their attack kind of might be a little bit more spontaneous, like you know the French attack of old, rather than how we, how we're used to seeing it. I think it's a lot easier for Scotland to not not be blasé and think that they've got the game won again, yeah. as opposed to France have to just be better everywhere. <laughs> and also not, not get a player sent off three times. I, and I don't think yeah. that will... I, I don't... Do you think Sean Edwards would let them have that? I think Jim made a good point because I was waiting to see where he was going with that, with the focus on defence. I think they've got players who are just so naturally gifted in attack that they could just focus on the defence and still be ridiculous going forward. I, I just don't see Scotland having enough about them to contain France going forward. Mm-hmm. If France can keep their discipline, I, I think, you know... France France are not a bad side. Under Sean Edwards, they've improved their consistency. 
I, I've, you know, they've got to start winning, haven't they? Because otherwise the pressure comes on them after that World Cup. We all mm-hmm. know how the French crowd are, how the French are. I think it feels like a game they have to win. So I think they will. Okay. And then, Lars, your thoughts? Yeah, it's pretty much being said what I think, um, to be honest with you, the others. Um, I don't think France would be that bad again. Um as Russ says, I don't. I think Scotland will probably learn to an extent from this if they get in front. But will they get in front? I, I just, I think that probably perhaps Ireland were, you know, France have lost. They've lost the heaviest of the lot this week, but they were also up against clearly the best team in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Um. Just, you know, ignore the World Cup situation that. Ireland, even after England finished third in the world, are still the best team in the world. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. So it's it's <clears throat> just one of those things. Um, I think probably France just sneak this. I think the one thing that is will be interesting is the scrum because Scotland's scrum didn't really get tested too much in the in. Well, the will this week though. But it will do this week, and I and if we source anything from the if they play there, basically their Edinburgh front row, um, as the bloke in front of me, as I maintained, said that when I went to watch them like when Gloucester played them, oh, it's just the Lions front row. What? Yeah, he actually said it was the Lions front row, and I and oh. then literally the first the first scrum uh, Schumann had his oh. um, head. Back for his ass. So um, I thought you were. I thought, doing, Brad, I thought I thought you were doing a bit as Brad Pitt from Snatch, then, mate. I think you'll find that was Mel Gibson from Braveheart. Maybe anyway. like he had a mate from the Snatch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's a shame. Last game, because yeah, That was a quality yeah, line. Yeah. Anyway, um, final bit, uh, which is literally just Ireland, Italy. Look, we all expect Ireland to win, probably with a bonus point. I don't think there's much point spending huge amounts of time on that. I, mean, I suppose from Italy's point of view, if they can get within a seven or ten, I think that will probably be a bit be seen as a success for them. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the thing is, is Italy could probably give most teams a reasonable game. Like, weirdly, like they could play France and chuck it around because France would let them. Mm. Ireland is so good at just choking sides, and I just don't see how they let Italy play the game that keeps Italy in most games. So. It's, it's the one game of the Six Nations where you really, really worry for Italy keeping it. If they if they are within if they're within twenty points at the end of the game, I think Italy have done well, and that's that's not a disrespect to Italy. That's more just to talk of how good Ireland are at controlling a game. I, I was just, I was thinking if Italy can get within twenty, it'd be a good result for them. What I hope is they don't get an absolute shellac, yeah, which undoes all the good work of what they did against England. Yeah, because that's happened to them before. We this they've had these false. I don't want to say this is a false dawn, but they've had false dawns in the past where they've had a good performance first week and then got an absolute stuffing by France or Ireland, and then it's gone, to, uh, gone all, you know, to pop for them for the rest of the tournament. So, um, yeah, I think if they get within twenty, it'd be a good result, and uh, I hope that it doesn't affect their confidence for the rest of the Six Nations. This is Jamal Ford Robinson, and you are listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. How's that? Um, 
Jim, I'm going to finish with you and just a little comment around the awards that the the podcast awards that uh, got announced this week. Unfortunately, despite all of your lovely kind votes that you did put our way, we didn't finish in the top three. I'm yet to get a, a message back to find out exactly where we finished in the order, only because I want to know if we beat the Bristol Bears lot, um, if nothing else. Uh, so I, I, once I find that, I will um, I will let your uh, dear listeners know. But again, thank you so much, Jim. I'm sure you'll echo this. Um, you know, it really doesn't mean anything, everything to us for for people to vote for us for something that is just five yeah. below seven and after. It's all it's all a little bit of fun, and I think you only have to look now that maybe some of the bigger pods have kind of got involved in the awards yeah. and realised um, we are. And actually, I did mention to you, didn't I, about are we involved in the team? And and I think the team one was was like Tottenham, United, and, and City Everton. or something like that. And Everton, they were all athletic, they were all the athletic. Um, so, so it was all football. Ones. Yeah, and and they were all linked to the Athletic, which is the biggest sports paper in England in the in in the UK. Yeah. So so, so but clearly, you know, our little pod ain't really going to be listened to by anyone that's not a Gloucester supporter. Um, whereas if you're an England supporter or if you're one of the big you know, football team supporters, then obviously you're going to have a much bigger draw. But it's all good fun. We don't do it for, we don't do it for hundreds of people to listen to. We, list, we do it because we enjoy chatting to each other on, on a weekly basis and dissecting the, the rugby, don't I, we? I think we need to sometimes go back to how this pod started, which was us all staying in touch on lockdown. And, you know, credit to Ed, he was like, I'll make it into a pod. And we were all like, do we have to do any work? And he was like, no, I'll edit it. And we're like, you crack on then, mate. And, you know, <laughs> that that's how I always view it. Um, you know, I know, you know, I got called out before for my sweary attitude and stuff. And like, I think that's how I've always approached it. I'm talking to you guys. I, I very rarely listen to back to the pod, mainly because I hate the hear the sound of my own voice. There's and, four others who right, think yeah. that about your voice as well. Loz, <laughs> you, you've just you've just stolen Loz, the joke I was building to. One of the best things about <laughs> being <laughs> one of the yeah, best things. You landed it better, so thanks. Yeah, he thanks. did land it better. I was about to say one of the best things about being me is I don't have to listen to me. You lot do. Um, but yeah, no, in all seriousness, I think, you know, it still blows my mind that we get, what, 500 people a week listen to us a lot talk mm-hmm. and not a lot about what, <laughs> you know, not a lot of expertise is there here, really. No, not a huge amount. We no, can talk right. about his rugby level. That's, that's the that's the level of skill and experience we bring to the table. So I do appreciate that people actually listen to us. Uh, and there was also two games at the weekend at King's Own, um, at Gloucester under 18s, and I think it was the under 20s as well. No, under, it was under the 16. under 18s and the under 17s. Under 17s. But a lot of the under 17s were playing for the under 18s. So I think the actual under 17s team that were quite heavily beaten by we're Saracens. Were yeah, were kind of, and, and they probably didn't have the best prep because they were kind of pulled in last minute. I think there were quite yeah, there was, a few. Kids there were some illnesses, illness bug going yeah. around in there. Um, yeah, and and there's a narrow defeat to Bath for the under 18s, a bit of a heavier defeat to Saracens. But as you said, you know, looking at the the, the ages of some of these these lads, they are playing basically a year up uh, on everyone else, and great experience playing at King's Home in front of a bit of a crowd. Um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised we're playing against Bath again this weekend. Hmm. Um, obviously, like we played played Saracens last weekend, 
And I remember watching, I'm, I thought it was the 18s play Bath, but it might have only been the 16s. Yeah. Maybe that maybe maybe it was the sixteens that played Bath and I'm getting confused. Um because Bath have, Bath have got a pretty strong um academy setup. So mm. I think that would be that would be a good game um on, but these, on these Saturday. Kids, these kids have got to get tested and, and playing uh, in, in arenas like King's Home or the Rec or whoever, wherever they're playing them, it's a great opportunity. And I think um, you know, it, the more we can get down there and see it, I couldn't unfortunately this weekend, but the more you can get down to watch them, guys, if you're listening, um, you know, supporters, if you think most of the time they're free, um, if I don't think it's ever been charged, but they're free on the door. They're probably the only criticism I'd say is from Gloucester's point of view is maybe really try and milk it a bit more in terms of the, 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 uh, or, or, um, pushing it in terms of marketing it because. Yeah. I, I thought they missed a trick this weekend. Go yeah. on. That, you know, they had the two games and they were just massive clashes with the opening Six Nations, Nations weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they'd have played on the Sunday, then surely they could have had it so that it didn't clash with anything. Yeah, I suppose the difficulty and... with Sundays, people don't like to go out on Sundays, do they? That's the only. That's the only. Particularly if you want to go for a beer and stuff. So I, I can kind of understand that. It's just how do you? You know, there's lots of things they can do. Marketing it probably is the key bit. You've got to push it a bit more on the socials and and things like that. Um, you might get a couple of hundred or you know maybe a thousand dead people down there. Um, if you market it properly, but it is uh, it's it's free rugby at the end of the day, um, mm. and um, I know we've got um, a massive under 18s almost festival um, coming up in a few weeks' time. We do, which yeah. we'll talk about it at the time, um, and you know it's that's a great opportunity for um, you know taking taking your juniors, taking your minis and your juniors too, um, to 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 get them basically a free King's Home experience. Watch watch them. <sighs> Um, watch some different rugby. Yeah, agreed. Um, one final bit, which is about Reese Summit. So if you're watching, if you want to know, kind of keep track of what uh, LRZ is up to in America, he, he started a, um, uh, it's like a 10-part thing on YouTube. First episode, it's like four or five minutes long. Just kind of going through what the IPP, the International Player Partnership thing, or Player Pathway, I should say, is going, how that works. And um, as I said, we, right from the beginning, we obviously wish him well. I, 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 it's going to take a lot a lot of luck and uh and things like yeah that. i don't think he hasn't been drafted in for for either of the teams this weekend in the super bowl has he uh not yet no jim no that hasn't happened yet no i think that would be something of a miracle <laughs> stroke disney yeah uh, you've done you've done so well in your first six days we're gonna put you straight in yeah um i think that probably is um we're we're, we're boarding up bordering on the absurd there so uh, no, he hasn't quite managed to get to the Super Bowl yet, but we obviously, yes, they wish him well. Um, he's got a long way to go. And, um, yeah, I, you know, he's, he seems to be enjoying it. I think he seems to be, uh, you know, can we down. Can I just interject? I don't think the recording includes the video, but someone needs to screen grab how Loz looked when you were talking American football, because it would be the best mem of this. It's all it's up there with the Robert Downey Jr. eye roll for I do not care. No, I just I, could care any less aware. about this. Who's, who's, who's Loz? Um, who are you uh, rooting for at the weekend? Um, next weekend, next, who, Sunday, who, night, next Sunday, who you think? Who's, who are you going to go for, mate? Who, who's your team? What? 
in their Super Bowl. Who's your team next Come Sunday? On, Kansas City Chiefs and uh, San Francisco 49ers, isn't it? Oh, you should, I would have loved to hear Loz guess the names of the teams <laughs> in there. He'd be like, he'd be so, like uh, I don't know, the Redneck Hillbillies. No, 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers. Right. Do you know why it's the 49ers? Because <laughs> 20 of them were missing? No, because it's the... Christ almighty. Because that's the, it's the 1849 gold rush. Right, California Gold Rush. That's what they call the 49ers. Okay, and then and then you've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Who are the Who are the people that do the? They're the people that still do all the racist stuff that Exeter used to do. The Kaiser Chiefs, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the Kaiser Chiefs. Um, is this is this the is this the Chiefs' third Super Bowl on the banks? Uh, yes, I think it is. So Bill, uh, our friend Bill, they've had, they've had a tweeted me. Our friend Bill tweeted me uh, in the week saying. Our previous conversation on NFL was painful at best, right? This is going to be on a different I can imagine level. it was bloody painful. Oh, oh well, well, our one American listener will be in a little bit more pain. Ah, we've got more than one American listener, Jim. Uh, but no, I, well, I, if we could keep talking with this, not any longer. <laughs> I, think, I think this could go viral. I reckon... It's oh, mad. there's a YouTube. Fuck the pod off. Next year, if we want to win an award, it's just... It's like Carl Pilkington, isn't it? We just talked to Loz about Americanisms to just see his oh, reaction. I, 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 I moved away from bollocking Ed in a chat the other day because he referred to reaching out. Oh, I cannot. <laughs> Honestly, I let that one go. I never again. I cannot stand that. Oh, thank you for reaching out. Oh, I'm reaching oh. out to you. What are you? Bloody <laughs> hell, about to burst into song singing Neil Diamond or something like that. Oh my god! One Jesus. day the outtakes from our pods is just going to be. That's this bit I have to say is definitely going in. So anyway, oh. uh, Bill, I'm so sorry, mate. I really am sorry. To be honest, Loz, I'm with you because I I like American football. I don't know what side of the camp Jim sits on, but one day the fucking Ed and Snowy will bore on about baseball, and I am uh, full on with you. Yeah, baseball. We could talk about baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yes, good. Yeah, no, 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 let, let's be, yeah, yeah, let's we I like that that's the thing. Baseball is basically the American football of cricket, i.e. let's take something that could be quite good and make Bastardize it shit. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, let's let's find a way to just make it boring. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Um obviously we'll be back next week after a bit more Six Nations uh, chat. I really hope for my own sanity and England win. The perils of going to university in Wales mean I, it literally means my entire social media presence unbearable if we don't. Uh, and um, yeah, all the best. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Cheers, boys. Cheers.